Good morning. Thank you for being here. <clears throat> I have to tell you, um, Graham and worship team, I saw people dancing out here. I have never seen dancing before. Don't clap yet. I got it. It's going on social media today. <laughs> Anyhow. Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for those of you uh, joining us online for joining us as well. Uh, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, just over a week into 2021, and we are reminded how much we need you. Uh, you come to us personally, and we know that need, but Lord, we lift our nation to you right now. Um, as, as, we, as we look back on 2020 and already in 2021, uh, it is clear that the only thing, the only solution is going to be you. Uh, you dealing with our hearts, and Lord, you know more deeply than the, the, the greatest expert out there what is going on in this country. And so, truly, we come before you, and we lift our country to you. Uh, as for right now, we, we pray that you will block any distractions, anything that's swirling. And Lord, um, as we come face-to-face -face with your word, illuminate it and uh, fill our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to read a passage to you that we actually read last week, but I want to read just the first few verses that we read last week. This is in John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, was there. Where was he? He was, he was actually in an area where he had been baptizing. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Could I draw your attention to a word in there? And it may not be the word that you're thinking it is or hoping it is, but it's the word again, again. See, as you look through, whether it's the gospel of John, the life of John the Baptist, just the, the word of God, there is a theme that comes up over and over, or maybe I should say again and again and again, and it is God's again. Over and over and over, God is up to something. Now, that's already hard, isn't it? Because you and I like again to a point until we don't, right? I mean, the, the agains of life aren't always that fun. There's, there's the again of getting up and going to work or going to school or dealing with maybe the same people every single day. There's the again of paying bills. There's, there's the again of even as we looked this last week, it kind of felt like 2020 again already, didn't it? Or maybe church is again. Uh, I will just disclose to you, our son spent the night last night, our seven-year-old Lincoln spent the night at my sister and her husband's house. And uh, I asked him earlier in the week, do you want to spend the night at their house, at auntie and uncle's house on Saturday night? And he said, well, do I have to go to church again? And I went, I don't really appreciate this line of questioning right now, Lincoln. And he said, no, if they don't come to church, you do not have to come to church again. You know what he said? Good. Because sitting and listening to you is boring. So that's what you have to look forward to this morning. Thank you for coming. But I get it. I get it. Again, isn't always that attractive. You know what I want? You know what you want? I want new. You know, we're drawn to new. We're, we prefer new. It's natural for us to look for new. 
I want new. I mean, I think about, I think about this, this passage says the next day John was there again, but there had to have been a first day that John was engaged in what he did for the Lord. And I bet there was some excitement to it because that's what new brings with it. I bet the first day his disciples followed, followed him, there was an excitement to it. The first time they heard the message in which, Jesus, in which John pointed out Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God, that was an exciting moment. And even when they turned and followed Jesus, as this passage says, I bet there was some excitement to it. But, but here's the thing you got to know. Eventually, and, and this probably isn't new news to anybody, eventually new is going to let us down, isn't it? Ironically, you know what we do? <laughs> when the new that has become old gets old, we start looking for new again right? I'm looking for that excitement, and so I look for maybe a new Bible reading plan. I look for new people to be around. I look for a new life verse. You look for a new church. We look for new, 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 something to put a spark in things. And so this morning, what I'd like to ask, in light of what I asked you last week, remember I asked you to engage in something. A few verses later in this passage, we read about these two disciples went and spent the day with Jesus. And I don't know if you had a chance to do that this week, and maybe it was new. Maybe it was for the first time. Maybe it was exciting. But could I ask you to engage that time again? I know you feel like I lied to you last week, because last week I said, just try one thing one time. But now I'm going to ask you to engage it again. And here's why. Because God's again... If you engage that, God's again, you'll find out goes deeper than what's emotionally exciting and satisfying. It really does. But in order to see how that goes deeper, we got to read the passage again. So let's read it again. You're going to be tired of the word again by the, by the end of this morning. John 1, 35 through 37. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So did you notice, did you notice maybe, maybe you just heard this passage for the first time this morning. What happened the second time you heard it? I'd, I'd imagine it's similar to what probably happened inside John and his disciples when they came up against God's again. That is, you know, the first time it's exciting and it's emotional and then there's something deeply fulfilling about it, but now it's again. And now maybe emotions don't play so much of a part. And now maybe you're noticing details, whether in this verse or whether they notice details about what they did, that get outside of emotion and they're going a little deeper now. You know, John the Baptist, what did he do? He baptized. I imagine at some point, once he got through the excitement of, of being used in God's work, that he started paying attention to other details. He probably figured out there's, there's a best uh, angle, there's a best mechanic to baptizing people. I mean, if that's what you do all day, you better learn a technique, right? Yeah, you start to learn, oh yeah, I, I've got good baptism form, right? This is probably what John's thinking. I'll never forget, I will never forget I've had the privilege of getting to baptize some people here at the church for years. And I remember the first time I did it, it was exciting. But if you were to, if you were to watch that first baptism, the form was terrible. I don't even want to relive it. But I remember years later, we're going on a youth trip out to the West Coast to Oregon. And we're going to start out camping in Oregon. And there's this kid in the youth group, senior named Keegan. 
okay? Now, many of you know Keegan. Keegan played football at Dakota Ridge. Uh, Not a receiver, not somebody easy to pull up out of the water. Keegan was an offensive lineman. Keegan is now an offensive lineman for the University of Wyoming football team. So he walked up as we're getting on the bus and he said, Nathan, will you baptize me? And I was like, okay, I'm five foot nothing. I'm a hundred and nothing. You're seven foot a billion and a billion. Like, I don't even know how, I don't think I remember the first three days like driving out there because I went, how is this going to work? Like, what are some good baptism mechanics? No joke. I got on Google and said, what, <laughs> what are some good, some good techniques for baptizing? And so I, we got out there and it's Oregon. Have you been in the water in Oregon? It's frigid. There are rumors of great white sharks. And I went, this is how it ends for Keegan and me right here. Hopefully they go for him first. And so I remember I just saying to him, Keegan, just, I, I know this is like a moment with you and the Lord, but can you bend your knees on the way down or else we're, we're going under and we're never coming out. It'll be the worst baptism in history. See, those are the kinds of things over and over that I imagine John the Baptist began to pick up and his followers You know, after following him day after day after day, some of that emotional excitement wears away. And they begin to deal with the duty that is following John the Baptist. And then they begin to deal with the familiarity of his message. Look, the Lamb of God. And as they turn and follow Jesus, as we know from the the stories of the disciples, it got tough. But it was a duty. It was a daily showing up. Now, let me come to us for a minute. There are people in all different seasons of life in this room. And some of you, it may, it may be that your relationship with God is in this very emotionally exciting and satisfying place right now. But then there are others who are sitting here that you remember the emotion, you remember the inspiration, and we love those moments when they come along. We refer to them as like the mountaintop. But you've also discovered that life is not really lived on the mountaintops every single day, is it? There's a duty to it that you keep coming back to and you keep coming back to. This is what they drilled into us in wrestling. Columbine High School, I remember it just, there were full practices of just one move over and over and over to work on takedowns and stuff like that. And yet I'm reminded that God's again gets beyond the emotion and it gets beyond the excitement. And God's again gets even beyond our, our commitment and our duty to it our ability to keep up with it. I I was reminded the other day, after years drilling one wrestling move over and over, I was walking from this building over to our office. I was just walking. There was no meteor that came out of the sky. Nobody like, nobody threw something at me, just walking. And if you haven't had this happen yet, it's coming. Just walking and suddenly I went, oh, like something, something went. And I don't know what it was, it was just a cramp. But I was on the ground about to call the office and say, I need you to come pick me up because I need to make a copy at the copier, but my leg's done. My leg's done. See, what God is up to is going to go deeper than the emotion you and I have, and it's going to go deeper than our ability to be faithful to it. But to see what that is, we've got to read the passage again. Take a look. John 135 through 37. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look at me. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. Read your Bible and you'll know. No, it says, look, 
the lamb of God. In other words, I'm pointing away from me. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. See, did you hear what happens inside of us? There comes a point when we get beyond the emotional excitement and we get beyond our own ability to stay faithful. Yes, that's maybe part of your regular rhythm is church or prayer or engaging with his word. But when you get beyond that, you know what you run into? A difficulty. That is when I think about my relationship with God, I start to realize, oh, this isn't about me as much as I had hoped it was, as much as I was excited that maybe it was. I think about what John the Baptist must have been going through. The next day, he's there again. Again, it's the same thing every single day. God, is there any variety in this job description? Nope, just baptize. Every day, same place, John. Okay, is there a different message, God? Or is it just look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Same message, John. Just keep at that. For his followers. I mean, the difficulty. We thought we were following John. And now, and now our lives are being uprooted and we're gonna follow Jesus? See, isn't that what happens? We think, wait, 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 wait. This isn't what I thought it was. God, being part of what you're up to again and again and again, like, like the inspiration doesn't seem there anymore. I feel like it's, it's duty, but even that doesn't work to make me excited sometimes. And now it's difficulty. And for John, John, you know, he's, he's inviting people to follow him. And then he turns and points at Jesus and then he loses followers. You got to think, God, is there, is there something more? something more to this? I remember my brother-in-law, Kyle, at Christmas, he asked our kids a would-you-rather question, and every great question begins with would-you-rather. And what he asked them was, would you rather have your favorite food and only your favorite food for every meal the rest of your life, or would you rather have every meal the rest of your life, you can have anything but not your favorite food? How many of you would say it's my favorite food every meal the rest of my life? Yeah, I, I wondered if it was going to be very few because I wouldn't answer that way. Because what happens? If you've ever worked at a food place, you know. It was exciting to get a free meal when you started there during shift. And now it's your least favorite food in the world, isn't it? You will not touch it. It's what happens. Is that suddenly the difficulty of it comes along. But see, the, the again that God is up to, it's going to get beyond emotion. It's going to get beyond duty. It's going to get beyond difficulty. But to get there, let's read it again. And I want you to pay attention to that thing that might be rising up inside you right now. Because it rises up inside me too. John 1.35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, oh, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. See, isn't that what happens? I, I, I mean, his followers have to be thinking, John, seriously, every single day. Is there ever a different message than reminding me of my sin and reminding me of my Savior? And John goes, no, nope, that's, that's it. 
I mean, anything, and, and I, I can only speculate, but I'm sure they're thinking back to the days where they were more excited and they were more inspired and it was emotionally satisfying. Or maybe they're looking at their ability to keep up with it and go, well, I've been so faithful. God, surely you've got something more than this. This is why Paul said later to the church at Corinth, he said, you know, Jews, Jews seek signs, power. And Greeks seek wisdom. But for us, the message is Christ crucified. And he acknowledged that to them, <laughs> that it comes off to the world, that comes off as weakness and it comes off as foolishness. Because you look around and you go, is this, is this it? Like, this is it, John, every single day? And, and John, he's got to be thinking, you think it's bad for you. I have to give the same message every day, get people to follow me and then let go of it. Yeah, my job is to point. I'm a pointer. That's what I get to do, guys. See, is it, is it possible? Are, are you there right now? And you look around and you think, gosh, I, I think back to the days where it just I was excited every single day. And I've been so faithful, but it's just been nothing but difficult. And there's a cold monotony that can sink in. Can't there? Yeah, monotony can sink in. And it can, and really what happens is, is what happened in our reading just now. See, in the beginning, the message was, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's an exclamation mark on it. And then some time goes by. And now that sentence doesn't end with an exclamation mark anymore, does it? There's a period there. It's a statement. I know. I know what it says. And then difficulty comes in, and soon that statement is ending with a question mark, isn't it? I mean, it's a hardship, it's a doubt, it's a difficulty we all go through, every single one of us. And if you haven't, it's coming. But, but, God again is up to something. Because God, as we talked about two weeks ago, God in the middle of all the difficulty, in the middle of what we look at going on, in the middle of all that's going on in the world, wondering, gosh, how does the gospel, how does the gospel relate to? How is, it, how is it relevant to what we see happening in front of us? And as we're wondering that question, you know what happens under the surface? We start losing something. We start losing our hallelujah. We start losing our amen. I mean, isn't that what we've seen? Graham referenced people that we know. Check, check, check. Check, 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 check. Good? All right, thank you, guys. Um, there is something that happens, isn't there? I mean, you, we've watched it. We've watched it over the last year. We've watched it this last week. We get so focused on what we want. Even though we say, God, your will be done, not mine. And yet, when it's not mine, amen begins to erode. And hallelujah begins to drain and fade away, doesn't it? But God's again is up to something. And so can I ask you, can I ask you to engage God's again one more time? And to see what God's again does, we got to read the passage. Again, I promise this is the last time this morning, okay? John 1, 35 through 37. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. 
Now, I want to show you something that maybe, maybe you didn't pick up. Maybe you saw it right away. Maybe you didn't see it. Who does that first sentence begin with? Who is it? John. And that first sentence also includes who? Two of his disciples. By the time you get to that last sentence, who does it end with? Jesus. And I think that's the point of the again. See, engaging in his again, you know what it's doing? It's slowly fading us out of the picture, not because of a lack of value, but because of how much we're valued. This is why Paul says, this is why he says, your life should be hidden with Christ so that when God looks upon you, he sees his son and what his son did on your behalf at the cross. That's why when the emotion's not there, and, and I, you know, we, we tend to beat ourselves up because I didn't make it to church this week and, and I, I'll be there next week. I, I get to hear this actually every time I'm in the store. And, and part of it is I, I just love seeing you, especially during this time. But when we get beyond the emotion, we get beyond duty, we get beyond difficulty and we get through monotony, you know what you realize? God is slowly dealing with that part of us that wants to put ourselves up front. He says, if you'll just... Engage me again, and engage me again, and engage me again. Then it ends at Jesus. There's something really interesting that you can see happen throughout Scripture. Moses learned this. We talked about Moses a couple months ago. Moses, remember, it's it's all the um, I imagine excitement of of hearing from God at the beginning for him, and then he goes through this journey that he just has to show up for day after day after day. And then he gets to the difficulty of it. Yeah, people complain. Surprise. People actually complain. I don't know if you knew that. But Moses was learning this day after day after day. But at the end of his life, at the end of his life, he is not Moses the leader. He is not Moses the anything. At the end of his life, Moses is on the mountain that God had told him decades before. It ends here. When this is all done, Moses, you know where this ends? You will worship me on this mountain. It happens throughout scripture over and over and over. Perhaps the most arrogant man who ever lived, Nebuchadnezzar. One day, he's on top of his palace. He's walking across the roof and he's going, look what I've done. Look how great this is. Look at my palace. Look at my army. Look at all I've conquered. Aren't I great? I'm just great. Look how great I am. I'm so great. And by the end of the day, you know what he was doing? He had been moved out of the way. He was grazing like animals and acknowledging that God alone is sovereign. Paul learned this. You know, he thought he was doing God's work, going in a direction, and he discovered in the middle of all of it, no, 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 there's an again of God that will always have the last word. Jesus ends up the last word, just like in the verses. Finally, maybe my favorite in John chapter 12. Jesus prays this prayer, Father, glorify thy name. And you get to actually hear the Father respond. You know what he says? I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. It's the again of God. It's the again of God that ends in his glory. See, God's again brings you 
brings me a deeper amen. That amen that wants to fade away in the difficulty and the monotony when the hallelujah drains away, engage God again. God's again brings you and it brings me a deeper amen every single time. And so I'm gonna ask you to do something again. Last week, it was spend some time with Jesus. It might be an hour. It might be an afternoon. It might be a day. It might be five minutes. Would you just engage him again? And you know what will happen? Sooner or later, there will be an amen. And there will be a hallelujah that even as everything is going on and swirling around us, you can get up and you can face the day. No matter what's on the news, no matter what's on social media, no matter what your friends or family think, and you can go, God alone gets the glory. This ends in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's going to come from a deeper place every single time. You know, I was thinking about Kyle's question. Would you have the same food the rest of your life, and same meal the rest of your life? And when we think about that question... Don't we think about this much? We think about one item or two or three items. And here's what you'll discover if you'll engage him again. Is he doesn't just serve up three items. He serves up a feast that will nourish your soul. So that truly his glory will come from the deepest of depths no matter what is going on. And so as the worship team comes back up, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father. Lord, we, (laughs) you know, none of us has the capacity to just snap our fingers and change anything in this world. And yet we know you want to use us in this world. You want to use us in our nation. You want to use us in our community. You want to use us in our own households. But Lord, let us not run out the door. Let us never run out the door without first engaging the again of what you're up to in this world. Because as long as we run out the door and speak the words we want to speak and take the actions we want to take, it just comes from, it comes from the wrong place. And so, Lord, let us look upon you every single day. Would you remind us, you know, whether we've got to set a reminder or would you just remind us in the process of our thinking and waking up to engage you again? And, Lord, as you've shown us over and over in your word, deepen your praise. Deepen your glory so that when we, when we shout hallelujah, when we say amen to what you're up to, it comes from a place that nourishes the world around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.